Good morning, everyone. It is September 14th, and it's later. It's 9.01 in the morning, and I am on another day off. Uh, I did finish my Orchid Throne revisions on Wednesday. Uh, Sorry, I did not podcast that day. Uh, David needed me to help him take the car into town uh, to get, uh, what was it? Oh, uh, he had to get it inspected. And he had to take it in by like, we had to leave the house at around 8.30, I think was what we did. So I hopped up and I skipped my run and I skipped my podcast and put in an hour on Orchid Throne because I had really promised it to Jenny by that day. Um, I probably could have gotten away from it, but I really wanted to be done, and I was you know, closing in on it, as those who've been listening know. <coughs> so I got an hour done on it then, and then we took the car in, and I came back, and I worked on it some more, and I did finish. Woohoo! It was very exciting. I finished around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I, then I turned around and I went for an incredibly important mani-pedi, which is partly celebratory. I am one of those people who I get my nails and toes done every four weeks and my nails done every two weeks. And I actually have a standing appointment with my manicurist, Ruby, who is the bomb She's the best I've ever found, and I love the salon, and I love her, and the other gals there, and she is, in fact, the salon is so fantastic that they're not taking new customers. Um, They are totally booked, and it's funny, because sometimes people will call the salon while I'm there, and they'll say, I'm sorry, we're not taking new customers, and the person on the other end will inevitably kind of pause and say, well, what does that mean? (laughs) I was like, well, they're like, we can put you on a waiting list. Um, so it's funny because I used to tease my mother about this greatly because I once had tickets to an Aerosmith concert and wanted her to go with me and she wouldn't because she wouldn't break her manicure appointment. And mom, if you're listening, I have to say I would still break my manicure appointment for an Aerosmith concert. Mm, First sip, delicious. But, uh, otherwise, yeah... I'm coming out front here. Jackson's being good. I took him for a preemptive uh, stroll before this. So but we'll just come out front anyway because, yeah, the Choya situation out back is pretty bad. My mom asked about what's going to happen to our little pack rat, and I think his or her days may be numbered, unfortunately. We'll see. At any rate... I don't like to break my manicure appointment because it's impossible to get in with her again. Um, and so, and it provides structure. It makes me leave the house, <laughs> which I have a tendency not to do, especially if I'm really head down on a book like that. So I did that and then came home Wednesday evening and just kind of hung out and relaxed. It was lovely. And then 
yesterday I thought about podcasting, but I was really just wanting to have a a morning of nothing. And so I didn't run again two days in a row, very bad. <clears throat> and then I sat on the portal here and read my book. And that was really nice. I finished reading Night in Silence by October Day, which is the latest book in her um, October Day series. Did I say that right? It's I, I probably didn't, did I? You guys are all shaking your heads at me. No, it was Night in Silence by Shanna McGuire, which is the most recent book in her October Day series. There we go. There are so many things to remember. And the book novel ended at 83% on the Kindle. Um, and then there was the bonus novella after that, um, Suffer a Sea Change. And so I, <clears throat> I've grown wise to this, um, as many of us have reading electronically, that the, uh, to look and see where the actual end of the book is. Because, you know, I can't, a lot of times I will read. I'm much better at reading just for pleasure. I can just enjoy the book. But I still notice the climactic moments. Um, and kind of, you know, like I always notice when I think midpoint is. And and it's funny, if midpoint happens at like 42%, as it did in this book, I was like, eh, I bet this book is not ending at 100%. So then I went and looked, and it was ending at 83%. And I was like, yeah, boom, Shannon. You know, it's a Shannon. I think she says Shannon. Uh, <laughs> right on the mark. So I haven't done my Goodreads review on it, and I can't decide. We were those of us who have been reading this series were worried about this one because the last one had ended in a pretty dark place and we were afraid that this one would be pretty sad with um, plug your ears if you don't want spoilers uh, but with her and Tybalt the king of cats separated and we knew from the BCC of the next book that you know he was going to be like reclusive and uh, separated from her and it was going to be very sad and the book was presented as being very sad uh, with our intrepid heroine who is very balls to the wall and very little rattles her. Um, she ended up like breaking down into big sobs like three different times. I mean, they were all connected. But after a while, I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like one big crying session is, is usually enough. I'm, I did have an editor once who thought that the heroine should only ever cry once per book and that you should save it. And the other times, you know, you should rein it back. And while I understand her point, and I think it's a good one because you can't have your heroine be weepy for the entire book because that gets you nowhere, I think it's okay for her to cry more than once. Um, so, you know, some of you have been talking to me about Exile of the Seas, and what, and I made a very deliberate choice with Jenna Averiel in Exile of the Seas that she would, that she has these sort of silent tears that just appear and course down her face. 
and that she has no control over. And and I thought about this editor of mine and of old and how she would hate that. <laughs> and but you know, she Jenna was an interesting character to write because she um because she is so damaged. Um if you've read Prisoner of the Crown, at least, you know all the bad stuff that happened to her. And yesterday, another thing I did after I lounged around on the patio and finished my book and caught up on a few businessy things was I then went out to lunch with uh, Terry Beth Cheneau, who is one of the uh, people who helps out with Bubonicon, and she's a great reader, and she works here in Santa Fe, lives down in Albuquerque, but we meet for lunch occasionally, and we were talking about exile, and, and Terry works in health services stuff, and she was really, she really liked the book and liked how I handled Jenna's trauma, or, and essentially, and she pointed out, and I'd kind of gotten at this, but I didn't realize how exactly what I'd done, but that I did kind of make Jenna go into a dissociative state. I wanted her dissociative, but by taking the new name of Ariel, she essentially takes on a new personality. And Jenna, who is simply too broken to survive, vanishes for a while. And I think that's a legitimate interpretation. Um, But one hallmark of this is the weeping that she just, you know, sometimes she... You know, if something triggers her, she throws up or she just starts weeping. And it's not something that she has control over. And so it was important to me to have that as a sign of the fact that she did not really have control over her emotional self. Um, And I'm not sure that I haven't gotten to talk about Night and Silences with anyone, but I'm not sure it worked. Um, It could be just me. I know it didn't work for me. But I never was emotionally caught up in a way that I wanted to be for to be justified for um, as much emotional stuff as as Toby October was feeling, um, and it could have been that so much of my energy was focused on Orchid Throne, and uh, yeah, I just didn't quite get caught up. Um, there were also some signs that that she'd like, I feel disloyal saying this, but sometimes you could tell that an author has turned a book in quickly. It wasn't perfectly copy edited. It wasn't perfectly proofed. There were some rather large errors, one of them being just desserts. It drives me crazy when somebody has just desserts with D-E-S-S-E-R-T-S. You know, it's an easy mistake to make. Um, but that's the kind of, uh, you know, dessert like a piece of pie or a slice of cake. Um, you know, and people play on the pun. There are bakeries called Just Desserts. Um, and there was that book I remember my mom reading in the 70s. I don't remember who wrote it, but it was Men Are Just Desserts. And it was that kind of. But but really, I think, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, that that the origin of the phrase is just desserts, D-E-S-E-R-T, which is what you deserve. You know, the getting exactly what you deserve. I know it doesn't matter <clears throat> in the long run, but there were other things like that that showed that the proofing had either happened very fast 
or um, not all that well. And then there were several moments that were repeated as being kind of pivotal moments. And and it could be that I would pick these out because I was so heavily into revising. But um, especially between her and Tybalt, there was uh, this one particular thing that happened three different times that had I been revising my own book, I would have made it into one. It should have been like one time and then more pivotal because of that. So... So these kinds of things go through my head as I'm reading. Um, although I still, I mean, I'll, I'll probably four-star the book because I still enjoyed it. And it's a great series and very fun and all of that. But, um, oh, my other complaint was I felt like she, um, all she did was re resurrect previous villains. That there were not, she didn't go anywhere new with it. And I don't know, I'm... I tend to not love the resurrecting of the old villains thing. Um, you know, it's like that horror movie trope where the monster just won't die. You know, and you think it's dead and it's like sunk down beneath the bog or like the Terminator. You know, it's always... They love to do that. They love to do that. In fact, movies like that do that so often that you expect it now, right? You know, the hero or heroine or both kill the monster, kill the villain... And then, you know, and then they congratulate each other and everybody sighs with relief. And you can, like, count it. You're like, one, two, three. And then, boom, the thing leaps up into life again. And it's almost not even startling anymore because you know they're going to do it. Uh, yeah, I, so clearly this is a thing for me. And it's actually one of David's pet peeves. Um, he really hates the unkillable monster scenario, Uh in a movie or unkillable villain where it's like goes beyond the realm you know see that's the thing it's all whether or not you can suspend disbelief if you can keep the viewer or reader playing along and believing yeah okay I, I believe that it could still live through that but you know there's a point at which you know like after it's been melted in the lava pit that you roll your eyes when it comes back because you just don't believe that it's possible. Uh, and and I would have to say that, that Shannon absolutely did a great job of justifying um, why some of these old villains came back and how. Uh, but I kind of felt like... I don't know. It was like she was saving her next big bad for some other book. Um, it also rehashed a plot in that her daughter has been kidnapped and her daughter was kidnapped in a previous book. And so, I mean, she, she was aware of it and she kind of riffs on it in the book with have people, you know, people kind of commenting, you know, humorously at times, you know, she's been kidnapped again, you know, <laughs> but nobody comments, caustically commented by the person who was the villain of the first three books and was taken care of you know it's like I don't know sometimes I think um I don't know if she just didn't want to write the book or didn't have time to write the book or or it could be entirely me um sometimes I see readers leave reviews saying you know clearly the author rushed through this book or had to turn it in past deadline you can tell and you can't always tell sometimes Sometimes it just doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't play out the way you want it to. Or, um, 
not quite sure what happened with this one. And it could be I would have... <coughs> excuse me. I just got choked up thinking about it. <laughs> you know, it could be that I would have a different experience coming back to it later. But I did deliberately choose to read that book. And I read um, the new J.D. Robb, Leverage and Death, while I was working on these revisions. Because I knew that they would be um, books that I would really enjoy. Um, so I wouldn't have to... You know, like some books you kind of have to make yourself read, and I didn't want a book that I had to make myself read. So I knew I would enjoy them, that they would feed the creativity, feed my storytelling self while I worked on this stuff. Um, but I also knew that I would be able to put them down. Um, I have been saving, I think I've mentioned before, Magic Triumphs by Alona Andrews, which is the final Kate Daniels book. Uh, and I did not, that came out on... Um, August 28th and appeared on my Kindle then and we were driving back from birthday weekend then and I was very tempted to start reading it in the car but I knew with that book that once I start reading it I will not be able to put it down so I did start reading that this morning uh, which is and it's it's really good really good so far so we'll see how it goes um yeah, the other thing that I did <clears throat> yesterday, I helped David with more car stuff, and I started getting some other things taken care of. Uh, and one thing that I worked on is the CEFWA, Science Fiction Fantasy Writers of America, is doing, we do story bundles uh, every couple, a couple of years. Not every couple of years, a couple of those every year. So we did the Science Fiction Space Opera Bundle last spring and now we are doing the fantasy bundle which is kick-ass heroines and um, we have a few headliners for that that's going to come out in January uh, we have a long lead time for these things because in order to be in story bundle which is um, a separate organization story bundle uh, works with Sephwa on this uh, but basically they put together a whole bunch of books and you can buy them for a single price it's kind of like a box set but um, it's in tiers and part of it goes to support Sephwa some of the money goes to authors story bundle gets a little piece <clears throat> so we'd set up our headliners which are supposed to be the people who are more of a draw and I'm one um I feel like we should have people better than me. But fortunately, we do. We also have Kit Roca and um, Annie Bullett. And I can't recall who else. I think a couple other people. And then we throw it open to everyone who's a member of Sephora can uh, submit a book to be included in the story bundle. And, of course, this is terrific cross-promotion. Um, that's one of the best parts. And then you get money, too. So it's, you know, both and. Um, and it supports Sephora. So it's it's really um, a win for everyone. So we had um, 13 books submitted, and I needed to go through them because we're meeting tomorrow, Saturday tomorrow, uh, to discuss um Oh, and that's why I was starting to say before is we have to give people lead time because if it's in Kindle Unlimited, which is exclusive, then people have to have that renews like every three months. And so people have to have the three month lead to pull their book out of Kindle Unlimited in order to have it in Story Bundle. So 
I needed to go through. So I was a very good kitty cat, and I went through. I obviously didn't read all 13 books, but I read, you know, like the first chapter of all 13 and um, and looked them up on Amazon and stuff to sort of see what people were saying about them and kind of get a feel for them and then put in my votes. So I was very productive, and I since tomorrow was my deadline for that, I was glad to get that done. So now today I am going to... Um, I've started laundry, also being a good kitty cat there, and I'm going to clean up some stuff, clean up some stuff in the yard, and I am going to read Magic Triumphs, and that sounds pretty awesome. Um, and as soon as I get edits back on the Arrows of the Heart, I will get going on that, but so far, Peter said I might not get them till tomorrow, so which makes for enforced vacation, which is never a bad thing. I really have been trying to take more time down between books. Um, but I'm feeling good. I actually feel pretty decent. <clears throat> Not worn out this time. So, I am going to go ahead and get this posted so that you all will be happy. I do appreciate that you wonder where the podcast is. makes me happy that you all are listening. And I will probably talk to you all tomorrow, most likely. You all take care. Thanks for sharing my first cup with me. Bye-bye.